0: prayer something that we all know about and uh that we all do and and i love that the the last guy that was here what a great message on revival out of ezra that he brought and and it closed with he ended off with seek the lord and seeking the lord in prayer is something that We know we should do, and and we do do, but how well do we do what we should do when it comes to prayer? You see, here in Jeremiah, we have a man that, well, he has a problem. He's in prison. The nation of Israel, well, they're not doing too well. In fact, they're in rebellion. And as a result of them being in rebellion to God and and uh, Jeremiah has been pleading with them and pleading with them, hey man, you need to get back and get right and and get things straightened out with the Lord and throw away these false gods and these idols. But they wouldn't listen. They persisted in their rebellion. They kind of mixed a little God with a little idolatry and the nation was in chaos. Jeremiah, you see, is God's man. He came out, and he, he, he began to just call them out. And whenever you call people out, they don't like it. It's, it's sort of like, hey, you know what? That, did you know that's sin? No, and I don't, I don't think it's sin. And, and, and when we call people out, many times people get upset. It's one of the fears we have. When when people say, "Well, do you agree with this?" and you say, "Well, you know, it doesn't matter what I think or what I agree with." The Bible says that you know what this is wrong. You see, and the right thing to do is well. Here's what God's word says is the right thing to do. And and, and sometimes the fear of telling them this is wrong because. Well, they'll reject you maybe, they'll ostracize you, they'll push you away. Well, that's what we have happening here with Jeremiah. He's standing up in a, a nation that is rebelling and going down a bad path. He ends up, as a result, in prison. And there, as he's sitting in prison, he's confronted with a problem. He's tried to talk to the people. He's tried to tell the king. He's tried to reason with them, but they won't listen, and and it feels like there's nothing that he can do, and he's struggling. We all struggle with that, don't we? I mean, I, have you ever gone? I've, I've, uh, you know, I'm a Best Buy kind of guy. I like technology, you can see I got three tablets here and. And uh, with me, this is just in case one fails, you see. And so you, you have to have that. But the problem is, is I can't read without glasses. And I, well, I, I tried the glasses thing. And the glasses, man, the glare from the glasses on when I'm preaching just drives me crazy. So I was going to go to paper after I finally got glasses a year ago. And then I, I, I just couldn't deal with the glare. And so that was it. So I'm back to tablets. So I have to have backup. And so I, I do frequent Best Buy. When I go there and I purchase a product, whatever that may be, uh, I expect it to work, right? Uh, but if there's a time where I take that product home and it doesn't work any longer or it starts getting kind of clunky and, and uh, junky, I, I don't have any problem taking it back. And when I take it back, uh, many times you go to the customer service thing and stand in the little line there. And as you stand in the little line there, finally you you take it up and you you know you talk to them about it. And they go, "Well, sir, you, you're past the you know 60 days or the 14 days or whatever the situation is, and so uh, there's nothing I can do for you. You'll have to deal with the manufacturer." And and at that point, uh, you know, great. That's the employee. That's all they can do. That's the rules. That's what they've been taught. That's the way it rolls. But guess what? I found that you can go around the employee. I'm not rude to them. But hey, can I talk to the manager? Okay, I'll get him. And so you talk to the manager and guess what I found? He can do things that the employee can't do. He can, he can take the, the rules because, you see, he, he is in a position kind of, of making the rules. And he has some latitude and can bend things. And I have found that very frequently things are taken care of in a very timely fashion. Listen, when I think about that, I think about the fact that so much of the time we look around today and we see the politicians and we see what's going on in the country with the you know, the leadership there and and how they're at each other and all this divisiveness and, and the problems that are looming and you hear about him regularly so much so that uh, some people don't want to even uh, talk about them or turn on the news and hear anything about what's going on. You get tired of it. And, and you, you find yourself crying out as Rodney King during the L.A. riots did many years ago. G- can we just all g- get along? It seems increasingly that we can't. So how are we going to fix this? I have found, as I've looked at my Bible, that there's a way around all the talking heads all those that are in the positions of power, all the managers and lawyers and senators and congressmen go over the heads of Mueller and Feinstein and Kalia and Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga, right into the presence of the one, not only who knows it all, or thinks he knows it all but in fact does know it all and the one who can do anything there's nothing too hard for him to do and he can do it with his feet up who is that it's the lord jesus christ it's the creator a connecting with the creator who needs no spies who needs no intelligence because he is intelligence. We don't have to worry about him shooting down, you know, anything and that kind of a thing. Going before the Lord in prayer. There is a need, saints, increasingly for a rediscovery of the possibilities that have always existed. They've always existed. And that is direct communication with the creator, the designer, the one who is sovereign. We all have problems. We all have th- things in our lives that, you know, we're working at to try and solve. And we've talked and we've sought counsel, with the, but the problems persist. And we can find ourselves overwhelmed and frustrated, uh, feeling locked up in the prison of those problems, like Jeremiah. Well, it's to him at this point in his uh, life, as he's in this prison, as his message and his uh, prophecy is being rejected, that the Lord comes to Jeremiah. And he comes to you and me today who find ourselves feeling Powerless, feeling unable to solve the problems. And he says, he says to us what he says here to Jeremiah. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. He comes to his discouraged, rejected prophet and he says, hey, Jeremiah, listen, I'm here. I'm here. And, and here's what you need to do. You think that you can't fix things or, 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 or there's nothing you can do and you're frustrated by what's going on as you see the nation going down the tubes and the captivity that is coming and, and you're wondering about it. He says, listen. Listen, Jeremiah. I'm still here. Call. On me. Four words I want to bring to your attention when it comes to prayer as God gives instruction here to Isaiah, I mean to Jeremiah. First of all, we see there's an invitation given. God gives that same invitation to us. We are encouraged to call on the Lord. God has done everything possible to incite us to pray, to excite us to pray, and to invite us to pray. But strangely enough, it's often the last thing that we do. Think about this. If you were to receive an invitation from Chuck Swindoll, or or from Matt Chandler, or from Greg Laurie, or from Ted Leavenworth, to come over to their house for dinner, just to kind of hang out. How many of you would go, man, I'd jump at the chance. I'd love the opportunity to do that. Listen, we have an invitation, precious saints, from our Heavenly Father, from our Creator, to come to Him. He's saying, call It's something that fathers, uh, you dare not refuse for the sake of your family. Moms, you dare not refuse this invitation to call on the Lord when you have a problem, when you're in the middle of a situation for the sake of the children. Christians, we must not forsake or push back from this invitation for the sake of the church, for the sake of the nation, for the sake of the world. If you're a Christian today, God invites you to pray and call on the name of the Lord and to do so regularly. You see, what I find in these verses is a theology of neology. And it's an awesome invitation that God has given. You see, I I, I like the way it, it reads out of the New Living. It says, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the Lord gave his second, this second message. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord is his name, says, ask me and I will tell you some remarkable secrets about what is going to happen here. An invitation is only as good as the one that's giving it. You see, if you invited me, or if I, rather, in, invited myself by saying, hey, if, if you need somebody when you're painting your house to help you paint, just call me. Guess what? If you called me, I've never painted a house in my life. I mean, I wouldn't know the first thing. I'd probably make a, more of a mess than anything else. If you called, uh, if Ted, Pastor Ted said, hey, hey, listen, if you've got any uh, toothaches, any dental work you need done, you just call me. I got a new set of tools the other day. A drill that's pretty nifty, it's cordless, so I wanted to try it out. Guess what? I mean, you're not going to be calling him. Why? Because, well, you have question as to whether he could actually perform. You see, if an invitation is given to take action, the outcome of that action depends on the one who the invitation comes from. Here we see in verse 2, the one that is giving this invitation to call is it says there the lord it is capitalized in the uh, king james version and and whenever you see it capitalized uh, you know capital lord every every letter that is his name yahweh that is his personal name god is saying to israel listen He's saying to Jeremiah, listen, you've got my personal name here. Most of us, when we go to the doctor, we, we call him by his title. Hey, doc, and, you know, and that kind of a thing. And that indicates it's a professional and kind of a, just, you know, a, a professional kind of relationship. But Listen. If the doctor gives you his home phone number and says, call me if you have something you need, and and he says, don't call me doc, call me, you know, by my name, Spock or whatever, you know, uh, then, then, you know, it's a more personal connection. God says, hey, listen, to us as the church, to Jeremiah, he's saying, I am interested in you personally and I am here for you to meet the needs that you have. And listen, he says, call me. In other words, why don't you come to me when you have trouble on your job? When you have problems with your families or problems financially? When there's problems in the nation or in the country, in the church corporately? We are called By the Lord, invited rather, by the Lord to come to him. And note, he says, call. He doesn't say curse. He doesn't say complain. He doesn't say connive. He says, call. Now that carries the idea in the Hebrew that it is something that is done deliberately with a desire to gain someone's attention. If I call you, you're, and you give me your personal number, uh, if I call you on your phone, most of you probably have cell phones, so, so, so it starts ringing. It, it, it's something that, that we do. If you say, call me, you're inviting me, you see, to give you some attention, to make some kind of a connection. Proverbs chapter two. It says, incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, and if you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It says, for God gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, that calling out on the Lord, that invitation to the one who is able to do, well, he's able to perform anything that that he sets his mind to as the creator. Elijah, James reminds us, was a man of like nature as ours. And yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three years. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain. I want you to note Elijah, a guy just like the us. You know, he, he's a human being and, and, and we think of his power to call down fire. I mean, he's a notable prophet. And he prayed... And that's what gave him the power because he wasn't perfect. That's what James is telling us. He, you remember, if you know the story of Elijah, he went into a cave at one point after a contest with the prophets of Baal. And, and he won. And then he runs away because Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, man. And so he ran, runs, runs, runs until he's so tired. He's hiding out in a cave. And he's saying, okay, Lord, I'm the only prophet. There's nobody else. Take me home. And he wants to die wants to die you ever have those days where you just want to die lord i just uh, i'm tired of it. I, I just don't want to deal with things anymore this was the same guy that called down fire this was the same guy that told ahab it's not gonna rain except by my word walking in boldly to this king giving him god's message without fear but he also struggled It says the key here in James to Elijah is he prayed. He prayed how? He prayed earnestly. And he prayed again. The place of power is dispatched when we answer God's call to cry out to him. Now, that's not referring to volume. That's referring to your heart. You say, okay, Okay pastor that sounds great and uh and, and you know what 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 if i do that and, and i i call out that way and i i pray earnestly what if god doesn't respond Well glad you asked that question because that brings me to my second word and that is insurance In verse 4 we are told or uh it, I'm sorry, in four words rather. We are told uh, God says, "Hey, you call and I will answer you." Invitation, call on me. Insurance, I will answer. You say, "Well, will he really answer?" Well, well, this is God speaking, okay, to his prophet Jeremiah. And And Paul gives us some insight that answers that question as to whether he will answer or not. In Titus, in chapter 1, in verse 2, he's talking about the Lord who gives eternal life and he cannot lie. God cannot lie. So what's that mean? What that means is when you call... Guess what? If God says, I'm going to answer, and he he cannot lie, it doesn't say he does not lie. It says he cannot, something God can't do. And that is lie. Listen. Our God, who cannot lie, says, I will answer you. You see, he's going to do it. And he is able to do it. You see, he's not like us. Sometimes we promise things and we have good intentions to do those things and, and suddenly circumstances happen or we get sick and, uh, or a financial situation happens and we can't do it. But God isn't like that. He not only will keep his promise when he says, I will answer, but again, he can do it with ease. It's not a problem for him. He's not ever bothered. He's not ever too busy. He's not ever burdened at keeping his promises. His power and ability are limitless. And so when God says, I will answer you, it's never, well, I intended to answer you, but I couldn't. I, I like what Isaiah 46, 11 says, indeed, God speaking, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will also do it. New Living Translation, I like this. This sounds just like a dad. I've said it, I would do it, and I will. Okay, I like that. Oh God are you sure you're gonna I've said I'll do it, and I will, okay? You just need to chill, just chill. You see, first John chapter one, verse thirteen, I write this to you, John says, who believe in the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And we can be confident that when we pray, God will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we know he is listening, when we make our request, we can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. Really? I always wanted a porch. No, no, did you hear the qualifying statement? That's in line with his will. You see, uh, precious saints, uh, our prayers are so frequently focused on the temporary, aren't they? God, I need this, I need that. This person, you know, uh, needs to get along with this person. And, and, and we've got a situation here that we need to deal with. I'm not feeling well. And, and uh, you know, our, our prayers uh, primarily focus on those things. And I don't always know God's will in a situation when it comes to praying for somebody to be healed. I pray, I pray in faith, but I know this. I've seen God heal, and I've I've seen the Lord heal in the sense of taking them home. Now listen, here's the deal. Our prayer life needs to be more focused on that which is in line with God's will, which has to do with the eternal scope of our life. Not that he doesn't care about the physical, he doesn't, we're told to ask. But let me ask you, when the last time was that you prayed for something more than just the needs basis as far as things temporarily? When's the last time you prayed, God, give me a greater hunger for your word? I just want to be hungry. I I I want the passion for your word and to know your word and to understand your word. I, I, I want to grow more deeply spiritually. When's the last time you prayed, oh God, uh, you know what? I don't know my own heart. Search me, oh God, like David. Uh, uh, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And God, if there's any wicked way, Lord, bring conviction to me. Bring correction to me. Show me where I'm in error and then help me to have, Lord, the humility to call it sin and take responsibility and then, Lord, to move on to that place of repentance that I might walk in a way that brings you glory. When's the last time you prayed for an opportunity to share your faith? God, just use me today. I don't want to miss any opportunity to share uh, my faith or or to show your love to somebody. Listen, you're praying for those kind of things. I guarantee you can be confident that God will answer that prayer. You see, there's insurance here as well as an invitation. Uh, Thirdly, there's inspiration. You say, Pastor, that's what I need. I need to tune up my prayer life. I am severely lacking inspiration and motivation. Well, let me help you with that because I think these words to Jeremiah give us some some encouragement along those lines. When he says, call to me and I will answer you and I will, listen to this, show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How's that for inspiration? I mean, great and mighty things. I want to see some great and mighty things. We like great and mighty things, don't we? I mean, come on, you guys out there, uh, some of, especially some of you older guys, you, you like the Mopar sound on that charger, you know, you like those pipes to rumble. You, you you like the the power of that engine when you put the pedal to the metal and you know maybe maybe you're you're not so much interested in burning rubber anymore, but you like to get on that on ramp, man, as fast as you can get on that on ramp. You like to pass this. boom, you put it down and you wash go slow down. You're going, oh there's nothing wrong. Hundred's fine, you know. We like power. You like the power saw, the power drill. I mean, we like power. We like to go to see great things and, and, you know, go to Niagara Falls. If you want to see something great and powerful all at once, it is an amazing thing. I've been there several times over the years. And, and, man, that, I don't know, the amount of water that's pouring over that falls. But I'll tell you what, man, it is rumbling and shaking and it is awesome and fearsome. It is mighty. It is powerful. Ladies, you like mighty and powerful, too. You got that vacuum cleaner. You want the one that sucks the rug off the floor, you know. Give me that. How many, how many horsepower is that? You don't want a no wimpy vacuum. You want, you know, just great and mighty things. You see, God... God is saying, hey, Jeremiah, I'm going to show you some stuff. I mean, let me set the scene here and give you a little background on Jeremiah so we can get the drift of this. Jeremiah was born and raised in a little suburb of Jerusalem, three miles north of the city. And Jeremiah was not married because, you see, he was a prophet and the bride of God the the wife of god was being unfaithful right now and so god says hey i'm going to reject them and let them go into captivity so guess what jeremiah you're not going to get married you see because that's a picture of uh, you see what i'm doing with the nation of israel they're going into captivity so you're not going to get you're not going to be able to marry and that was the judgment on the nation you see and this nation was perverse at this point in life much like our country presently all kinds of perversion was going on i don't know why it is that uh, god's told us in the word it's just our sin nature uh, man we tend to go if we walk away from the lord we all go down the same road We get involved in sexual perversity. We get involved in, you know, all kinds of... passions that will lock us up drug addiction you see and and uh, addiction to money and and that kind of a thing we live for the dollar you see and and we kind of head down the same road every nation that uh, goes down that road rejecting god and his word and the 10 commandments heads down you see it uh, the children end up being uh, offered on on the altar of pleasure, and we see just in that day they offered their children to the god Molech, Leviticus 18.21. God had to tell them the laws given to Moses by God expressly uh, forbade the Jews when it says in Leviticus 18.21, you shall not give any of your children to devote them by fire to Molech. They'd take them and they'd sacrifice their babies on these heated up metal arms of the god Molech. It was the god of pleasure. For the sake of pleasure, they were killing babies because they didn't want to stop, you see, with the pleasure. They didn't want to do it God's way. They wanted to do it their way. How much different is that today when it comes to abortion? Hot topic right now. It's murder. Let's call it what it is. Hey, we want the woman's right to murder to be continued. That's what it is. Why, don't, why do they say abortion? Call it what it is. Okay, say, I don't want this baby, and so I want to murder it and get it out of my way because I got more stuff to do. Listen, thank God that he is a gracious God, and murder is not a sin that can't be forgiven. You know, and if, if you have been in that place, ladies, God loves you, and he's gracious, and, and listen, you, you did it before you knew him, and, and, and listen. But today, we need to recognize and stand up for what is right there, and, I, I, and we are, and, and I'm blessed. We need to pray, because there's power in prayer. Things are beginning to kind of drift back a bit, which is encouraging, but we're not done. Jeremiah lives in this situation and in this kind of a nation and, and God is saying in a sense to Jeremiah as he's looking around because he's in prison, he says, Jeremiah, are you having a little trouble with what's going on? Are you wondering what I am doing and how to reconcile what's happening and how to handle it and, 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 and get through it? God says, "Listen, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you some great and wonderful things." Don't get just sitting around in discouragement. Don't sit around and just think nothing's happening. Don't get mad at God. Have you ever been mad at God? God, I'm living for you, man. And I'm giving my life to you, and and man. Look at all the trouble that I'm going through. Where are you, God? Ever felt like that? I'm sure Jeremiah's feeling some of this. David felt that at times, didn't he? David, as far as bipolar, he was. And as, as far as the Psalms go. I mean, one minute he's up here rejoicing. Thank you, Lord, that you are God and good. And then the next minute he's going, but where are you, Lord? My enemies are, you know, killing me. Don't you care, Lord? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing something about this, Lord? And, and you know what I love about David? He experienced a full gamut of his emotions, and we have the Psalms, so we see that he could be up here and down here. What kept him stable? It was the Lord's Word. It was the Lord himself. Here's how I feel, but here's what God says. It was his faith. If you walk and live according to your feelings, you are going to have serious problems. But if you walk by faith, you see, I know and here's how I feel and I'm struggling with this and I'm doubting that, but God, I know, I know, I'm not feeling it right now, but I know you're there and I know that you care for me. God is a God who answers prayer. You see, and he is there for you and he wants to show you things that you cannot know apart from him. You see, the final word is illumination. I want to show you hidden things, he says here. You hang in there in the tough times, in the days when life doesn't make sense. And you be tenacious, you be passionate, you be pointed in your prayer life. And God will show you things, man, that the only way that you can know them is through prayer. You can't read them in a book, you can't get them in counsel. You have to get alone with God in prayer to see the secret things. And if you want that, to happen, If you want to know what's going on in life, the priority of prayer is essential. You can't read, you see, about what God can show you in books. You can't uh, watch and learn uh, I- I- these things in movies. If you really want to know the secret things of God, then guess what? You've got to get before God and spend time seeking God. Listen, the greatest knowledge a person can ever have is the will of of God, right? To know the will of God. What's God's will for my life? You can't know that apart from prayer. The greatest person that you can ever know is the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never know him intimately Apart from prayer, a lot of people know about Jesus, but do they really know Jesus? The greatest book you'll ever read is the Word of God, and you'll never truly understand the Word of God apart from prayer. And the greatest difference between the early church and the modern church is that the early church exerted the privilege of prayer, while the modern church all too frequently deserts the privilege of prayer. The story of a little boy, and I'll close with this, who was out in the yard trying to move a heavy object, a stone. He was grunting and and groaning and straining and striving, and, and he wasn't getting anywhere. His dad standing off to the side watching him, a bit amused by his effort and energy and some of the frustration that he was starting to see building in his young son. Finally, the boy just walked away, kicked it and walked away. And he saw his dad and his dad said, Son, it appears as though you with all your effort and struggles were unable to move that stone. Is that right? He said, Yes, sir. The father said, Well, have you used all your strength And the son said, yes, sir. And the dad said, no, you haven't. You see, you haven't asked me yet. He was his father. And his father was able to move, you see, the stone that he could not move. God is inviting you to ask and he will give to seek and you will find to knock and the doors will be open, but they're open, precious saints through the power of prayer. Come, call on him and he will show you great and mighty things which you cannot know.